for joining Time Out with PSOA, where sports officials share their stories to help recruit, train, educate not only sports officials, but players, coaches, administrators, and fans. Through this information, we're going to help make us all better for the game. Welcome back to Time Out with PSOA Podcast. Today's topic is going to be the rule differences between National Federation High School and NCAA. You know, many times fans, coaches, and players yell at sports officials because the officials, quote-unquote, do not know the rules. Truth be told, many times the officials know the rules. However, it's the players, coaches, and fans that do not know the rule differences. You know, what we see on TV is what people expect to happen on Friday Night Lights. And that's just not the truth. Each level of football has little small nuances of rule differences. So this podcast today is taking time out to learn about the rule differences and to understand in some situations, why the rule differences are different from a high school level standpoint and an NCAA standpoint. At the end of this podcast, I'll ask um, those listening, if there's a rule difference not covered in this podcast, reach out to us at our Facebook, reach out to us at our YouTube channel and ask those questions. Hey, PSOA, thank you for this podcast and teaching us the difference between block below the waist. But what about clipping? Is, is clipping different between NCAA and, and high school? The answer is yes. We just don't have time to cover all of the rule differences. We're going to f- focus on the main ones. So with that being ses- said, let's start with the first one. Block below the waist. High school. We have the free blocking zone in high school. So that is linemen on the line of scrimmage, offensive and defensive within a certain yard away from the ball. All right, so without getting into the specific yards, all right, it's the two linemen that start next to the snapper. So a traditional snapper, guard, tackle. Snapper, guard, tackle. So those five linemen are in the free blocking zone. The defenders who are adjacent to them and are within that body frame of the offensive player. Those are the players in the free blocking zone. Those are the players who could block below the waist legally as so long as it is immediate after the snap. So if their first action is up and then they go down, illegal. They have to be in a uh, A two-point stance, a three-point stance, four-point stance, that doesn't matter. But their initial immediate action has to be low. That is the only time in high school football a player could block below the waist. In the free blocking zone, opponents in the free blocking zone, and it is immediate. That first action is low. NCAA, lineman in the tackle box. All right, so th- there's one specific rule, rule change right there because the tackle box now has a depth to it, not just a width. All right, so a lineman in the tackle box, 
and the block takes place in the tackle box as so long as the ball and opponent is in the tackle box. So again, the difference between the blocking zone and tackle box. Tackle box now has depth to it. That block below the waist does not now have to be immediate. It has to be in the tackle box while the opponent is in the tackle box, while the ball is in the tackle box. So now a, a tackle or a guard could take a drop step back and then go low. Uh, tackle, guards, center, they could stand up, then they could go low. As long as it's, it's within one yard in front of the line of scrimmage and anywhere behind where that line of scrimmage is inside that tackle box. Again, the general rule of thumb is guard, tackle guard tackle on either side that is the width of the tackle box but in college we now have depth one yard in front and all the way back to the goal line all right so those are the linemen and the the timing of it it's more of the location and where the ball is now we have the stationary back in college so you have uh, eye formation or you have a a running back who's going to protect the passer on a pass play if they start in the tackle box, again, any part of their foot is shading the outside shoulder of the tackle. We call it foot to foot. If they start in the tackle box, remain in the tackle box, and the block and ball is in the tackle box, that stationary back can now block below the waist as long as it's from the front, 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock on a clock. And the, the reason for these rule differences in high school is safety high school players don't quite have the body control don't quite have the mental capacity of where are they at on the field of play to make that rule a lot more allowable to block below the waist all right because of safety they minimize block below the waist in high school but you have to keep lock below the waist in high school because of the advantage, disadvantage of offensive linemen and defensive linemen. You know, if you're going against somebody 50 pounds heavier than you, you're not going to be able to block standing up in your traditional closed cup and keep your feet. You have to have something in your tool belt to be able to stop that defensive player from getting to your running back and passer. And that's why in high school they have block below the waist remain is for those matchup differences. Now, in college, the players do. They have more ability to control their bodies. They have the more ability to know where they're at, know where the ball's at, and make sure that block is from the front so it's more controlled. There's less injuries at the college level with block below the waist because – they have the control. They have the vision. Everybody sees the block below the waist coming. But it's in place in NCAA still, especially that stationary back. Here you go. You have a, a blitzing linebacker, full speed. That running back is not going to want to take that full, full board block while standing up. They have to be given something to protect their body as a blocker to protect their passer so nobody gets injured. Because when a block below the waist is in the front going forward, it does not lead to injury of the person being blocked or the person actually giving the block. 
which is why the, the rule now is in NCAA and Federation, anything outside the free blocking zone in high school, anything outside the tackle box in college, you cannot block below the waist because that's where it gets dangerous. It's outside the vision. They're not squaring their shoulders. Um, the person being blocked doesn't see it coming to defend their, themselves. All other block below the waist are illegal. Uh, so that, th- that I know is a big contention um, with high school coaches. Uh, we call an illegal block below the waist because the running back went low to protect their passer. Yes, we see it on Saturdays, just not legal on Fridays. Next one, timing. There's a lot of different timing rules um, between federation and college. We're going to focus on the main ones. Big one. NFHS high school, 12-minute quarters. When a ball carrier goes out of bounds, the clock is going to stop. And as we um, learned from the previous podcast about the new rules for the 2023 NCAA and Federation season, on a first down in high school, the clock is still going to stop, whether it's inbounds or out of bounds. So 12-minute quarter, so it's three minutes less per quarter for high school and college. Where that three minutes is made up is the first down. Is that runner going out of bounds? In high school, we stop the clock. NCAA, 15-minute quarter clock. When above two minutes, two minutes and above, before the second quarter and fourth quarter, if there's a first down, we keep that clock running. If a player runs out of bounds, right, we're going to keep that clock running on a first down. That, that, that clock runs continuously on that running play. So that, that's going to be a, a difference this year. I, I think officials, we have to communicate to coaches and remind them, um, especially in college, why is the clock still running? Well, coach, it's the second quarter. It's two minutes and three seconds. We're above two. We don't stop the clock on a first down this year. All right, so now that coach has to make the decision, do I call a timeout or do I use this 40-second play clock? Um, it's going to come down to those situations of communication from officials to coaches. I'm all about preventing. If I see two, 203, I see a first down, I know that clock's running. As a wing official, I'm communicating to the coach, coach, clock is running, clock is running, All right, so they don't lose that focus and they don't lose that 40 seconds if they want that 40 seconds at the end of a half at the end of a game situation next one substitution process now this was a new rule a few years ago for high school when they changed the 25 second 40 second play clock um, which is now the same as ncaa so they matched up the, the play clock 25 second 40 second but what didn't change was the substitution process In high school, there is no guidelines when the offense subs, a defensive reaction is allowed. As long as a defense has 11 players on the field at the snap, the offense has 11 players in formation, completely stopped for one complete second before the snap, it's legal. And there was a lot of fear in high school, and especially high school officials, of, oh, man, there's going to be games, there's going to be tricks, Um, offense is going to do a late sub defense aren't going to be able to react and it's going to lead into a lot of problems none of it has happened 
Um, what, what we have seen, actually, is there's a reason why those 11 players on offense and the 11 players are in defense are on the field of play. The, the depth of high-level players is just not there um, like we see in college, which now we go into the college rules and, and the understanding of why uh, the rule is the way it is in NCAA. So offense does a run play. They bring two receivers in and take out a tight end and take out a fullback. So now they have a more athletic receiver staff out there, all right? But the defense doesn't quite know which tight end's coming off, which running back's coming off, all right? So now the coaches upstairs, defensive coordinators, they see these two offensive players come on. Right now there's 13 players on offense on the field of play, which is legal. And then about five seconds later, you see the two players run off the field for the offense, so now the offense now has 11 offensive players on the field. Whether they're huddled or not, the defensive coordinators definitely know what 11 players are going to be playing the next down. So now they have to figure out, are we going to run dime package? Are we going to run nickel package? Are we going to blitz? Are we not going to blitz? And who's our best, best blitzer? Who's our best safety for nickel dime? Are we going to play one-on-one? Who's our DB that's best to play one-on-one? Oh, shoot. Their best receiver is now on the other side of the field, and our best defensive back's on the other side of the field. This is the reason why there's a three-second substitution window for the defense to sub, react, and match up. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. If the referee's out there with his arms wide, all right. People say it's over three seconds. They subbed at 38 on the play clock. There's 30 seconds on the play clock, so that's eight seconds different. Why is the referee still preventing the snap? Well, that three seconds doesn't start until the referee knows which 11 players are on. Three seconds starts. Oh, I got a defensive reaction. Now that window stays open until that defense has subbed on, subbed off, and are able to match up with those subs on offense. So it's only a three-second window for the defense to react, but once they react, that window remains open as long as it needs to remain open to allow the defense to finish subbing, match up as well. So substitution process Not a thing in high school, no such thing. NCAA, it's a lot more complicated, and hopefully through this discussion you understand why in NCAA uh, the rule is what the rule is and an understanding of why officials are preventing the snap in situations. Here's a fun one that always comes up in high school football. Because, again, we, we see TV a lot. We, we see a lot of plays uh, on ESPN, on Fox Sports, uh, of big plays that make a big difference in a game. And then those fumble plays happen in high school. So in Federation High School, on fourth down, a ball carrier could fumble the ball. That ball could go forward 15 yards. A teammate can recover it at the spot, or they could actually pick it up and run for a touchdown. Completely legal. A fourth down fumble, a forward fumble, 
remains live and in play in high school federation football. NCAA, not so much. On a point after attempt and on fourth down, you're going to see officials roll their arms like it's a false start. That's reminding us whoever is the ball carrier, if they fumble the ball, they are the only ones that can recover it in advance of where the fumble was and recover it, pick it up, and continue advancing the ball. All right, so if number 34 fumbles the ball at the 44-yard line and they're one yard short of the line to gain, and number 48 picks it up at the 46-yard line who gains the first down, we actually have to bring the ball back to the 44-yard line, spot of the fumble, all right? And now it's going to be first down and 10 for the defense. Completely different result what you're going to see in high school. The only one that could have recovered that football and that football advance on a fourth down PAT fumble is the person who fumbled the football. It would have had to been number 44, all right, had 44 recovered it, yep, they could recover it in advance. Yep, they could even pick it up and continue running with the ball. But if it's a teammate on fourth down and, and uh, a point after attempt, they cannot advance a fumble. The next one with uh, in regards to fumbles, that forward fumble out of bounds. All right, same, same aspect in high school. I fumble at the 10-yard line, and it rolls forward to the 7-yard line. We're going to place that ball at the seven-yard line. In college, we fumbled it at the 10-yard line. It went forward, out of bounds at the seven. We're bringing that ball back to the 10-yard line. A fumble cannot be an advantage to the offense in college football. Um, So those are the fumble rule differences. We see uh, the next one, catchable. We're going to almost have a whole podcast on what is a catch, what is not a catch. Um, the, the, the rules are actually very similar NFL, NCAA federation. There's some feet rules, differences, some philosophy differences, but let's talk about catchable, you know, federation. There is no, the pass has to be catchable for a pass interference foul to be called. Right. They'd leave that judgment out of it for an official. Um, so coaches, defenders, just because, a pass is not catchable. It doesn't give you the free right to push, to shove, to grab, restrict, hook, turn, because a flag can still be thrown for pass interference on an uncatchable pass. Um, we get yelled at all the time about that one as officials, and you see coaches doing their hand above their head. That's a college rule. In college, the pass must be deemed catchable for a pass interference foul to be called. Now, officials in college, when in doubt, that pass was catchable. It, I've seen so many great athletes at the, at the college level uh, make some unbelievable plays. Uh, so when in doubt, the pass is catchable. But if it's clearly not catchable pass, we cannot have pass interference. And the official in NCAA will have their hand going above their head, which is the signal communicating to the masses. There is no pass interference foul in the play. Yes, everybody saw the pass interference, but there's no flag because the pass was not catchable. All right, so the importance of communication there, a um, little tidbit for, for everybody listening. Um, this one doesn't come up too often because the numbers are going down at both NCAA and high school level, which is good. Uh, but targeting, 
Okay, so Federation High School, it's a 15-yard penalty, no automatic first down. There is no disqualification. Uh, the only time in high school a player who is called for targeting would be ejected if that hit was deemed flagrant. Right, so it's not an automatic first down. It's not a disqualification. So it could be third and 22, pass over the middle, and you have the defender come up and make forcible contact to the head and neck area of the offensive receiver. Boom, flag down, defenseless player, forcible contact head and neck area, we have targeting. All right, so since it was third and 22, all right, so now we're going to go third and seven. And now that safety who made that hit, they're still in the game. Fans are going nuts. Coaches are going nuts. The offense wants an automatic first down. The, the fans of the opposing team wants that player out of the game so it doesn't make that hit again. That's not the high school rule. All right. And, and the reason for that is um, high school, we don't have replay. Um, and we train officials from the very beginning, youth football, continue to do it in college football. When in doubt, it is targeting. Throw the flag. We got to take out those hits. We cannot have a launch, a crouch, a leading with the crown of the helmet into an opponent. Do they still happen? Yes. But we have to sort of influence and change that behavior by putting a foul, by putting a penalty on it. But since we want to overcall it, we don't want to overpenalize either. So it remains the same down. They get 15 yards. And we also know if it's flagrant, we always have that flagrant in Federation high school football. So we can have a flagrant foul with targeting. Um, so if it's egregious, officials, you, you have the ability to eject on a flagrant foul with targeting. So high school, no disqualification, no automatic first down. College, 15-yard penalty, if by the defense, automatic first down. Player is disqualified from the game. If replay is available, all targeting fouls need to be reviewed. Um, and at the NCAA Division I level, they have a replay assistant. They have a replay official. Even if it's not called on the field, they buzz down to the crew. The previous play for targeting is under review. All right. If it's called on the field, it has to be inconclusive video evidence to keep targeting on. And that's why in NCAA, there, it is that automatic first down. It is a disqualification because it's so in-depth in review, and we are confirming that player did that illegal act, and that player is disqualified. It's, it's reassuring that video supported the official's judgment on the field. It's not reassuring in high school. If I make a judgment, a player is disqualified, well, shoot, they just lost a whole game if it happened in the first quarter. They only get nine games in a year. All right, so I took a whole part of that season away um, where NCAA, we have review to help with that process. Um, so it, it, it's a lot easier to confirm in NCAA. It's a lot easier to justify a player being disqualified because the video proved the judgment of the official. A few more rule differences we're going to focus on here today um, on fouls. You know, we always see that free play when the defense enters the neutral zone. Not in high school. In federation, it's actually called encroachment by the defense. And once that defender 
either lines up beyond the ball in the neutral zone when the snapper is addressing the football, or they start behind the football and they jump into the neutral zone. We have encroachment by the defense in high school federation, and that ball is dead every single time. You know, we'll have some new officials. We always tell them, when in doubt, don't blow your whistle. This is a time it comes up. Defense is inside the neutral zone at the snap. A new official doesn't blow the whistle, but they blow their flag or throw their flag. Play continues. They get together as a crew, and all of a sudden the referee comes out, encroachment defense, five-yard penalty, remains second down. Well, shoot, the offense just scored a touchdown. We just took a touchdown off the board on the offense. Yes, I know, but the official wasn't sure of live ball, dead ball, but the rule was encroachment. The judgment was the defense was in the neutral zone. By rule, it's a dead ball foul, so we have to bring that back because that play never happened. All right, so federation encroachment is the name of the foul when the defense lines up in the neutral zone or jumps into the neutral zone, and it's a dead ball foul. What we see in NCAA, offside on the defense. So when they jump in the neutral zone, the snap is now taken. The ball remains live. Now it's a free play. You see the wide receivers, boom, go downfield, and you see the the passer throw a deep pass. It's a free play. Even if there's an interception, it's going to come back. It's still going to be the offensive ball. What the confusion is sometimes is why is it sometimes in college offside is a live ball foul? And other times, the officials blow their whistle and kill it. Well, there's times where if the defense contacts an opponent, it's a dead ball foul. If the defense causes an offensive reaction, which quote-unquote looks like a false start, now it's a dead ball foul on the defense. If the defensive end gets such a jump or a linebacker coming through the middle gets such a jump where they're unabated to the back and that back is now going to get hurt or tackled hard without being able to defend themselves. We're going to shut that down to prevent that hit, to prevent that uh, injury. All right. So when the defense is in the neutral zone, high school dead ball all the time, college offside free play, unless contact in a neutral zone, um, cause an offensive reaction or unabated to the back. Penalties only automatic first downs in high school are roughing, roughing the passer, roughing the kicker, roughing the snapper. That is it. Again, there's personal fouls in high school, face mask, horse collar, uh, block below the waist, clipping. And if it's over 15 yards for that line to gain first down, it remains the same down. So if it's third and 30, we have a 15-yard personal foul, it's third and 15. Um, it, it, it's hard to grasp when we see on TV all the time, personal foul, automatic first down, personal foul, automatic first down. That's not what it is in high school. Um, it has to be roughing passer, kicker, snapper for it to be an automatic first down. And the, and the other one is pass interference. Federation, 15 yards or half the distance to the goal. All right, NCAA, if the foul takes place under 15 yards, it's a spot foul. Automatic first down. So here, here we go. We got uh, third and 10, and the pass interference foul takes place five yards downfield. 
in college, it's going to be first and 10 at that spot of the pass interference. So it's only going to be a gain of five yards, but automatic first down, first and 10. High school, all right, we have pass interference on first and 10, five yards from the ball. We're going to march off 15 yards. And since it was over 10 yards, now we get a first one. So that's a result of the play is a first down. All right, so college, there was only a five-yard march off. High school, there was a 15-yard march off. College, automatic first down. There's times in high school, it remains third down. All right, so pass interference, um, a lot of rule differences when it comes to the uh, penalty enforcement spot. High school, 15 yards or half the distance to the goal. College, either spot foul or we're going to go 15 yards from the previous spot. And then the exception is if we're inside the 15 and the foul takes place in the end zone, now college we're going to put at the two-yard line. Automatic first down at the two-yard line. Last rule difference we're going to go go over um, is a 10-second runoff. So at the end of the game, at the end of the half, we're underneath 60 seconds. So the clock reads 59 or below. NFHS, high school rules, they do not have a 10-second runoff option. So just throw it out the window. Officials, when coaches ask for it, ignore it. Say, coach, this is high school football. We don't have a 10-second runoff. All right, so the clock is what it is, whether we're going to go on the ready for play or on the snap. NCAA, if there's an injury, if there's a helmet off, and if there's a foul that immediately stops the clock. If the clock was running, and that is the only reason the clock stopped, now we have the 10-second runoff option. Okay, so here, here I am. I'm on... Um, defense offense clock is running 48 47 46 offense false starts clock was running offense fouled immediately after the foul the clock stopped now i gotta go to the the defense do you want the 10 second runoff defense says yes i want to go 10 second runoff from the 46 seconds so we're going to go down to 36 seconds but not so fast, my friends. Now, the team who committed the foul, if they have timeouts left, they could be charged a timeout to save that 10-second runoff. So I've, I've seen it on TV where, boom, false start, 10-second runoff. Now you see 36 seconds on the clock. Correction, the offense has been charged a timeout to avoid the 10-second runoff. We put 46 seconds back on the clock. All right, so that's the example of immediate stop due to a foul. If it's a holding foul, the play continues to go. So we are not stopping that clock because of the foul. There is no 10-second runoff because, yes, the foul happened, but the clock did not stop. The reason why that clock stopped was actually to administer that foul. Helmet off. Defense. Helmet comes off. Stops the game. Defense, defensive player has to leave the game for one, for one play. The offense now has the option. I could take a 10-second runoff, and if I'm up, I'm closer to victory, or I have the option of going on the snap. So we're at 46 seconds and running. I'm down by three. 
I want to save that 10-second runoff. Boom. We stop the game. We got the defender off. Offense does not want the 10-second runoff. We're going to go on the snap. Okay, so depending on the score and depending on the offended team and who's going to gain the advantage, and that's the intent of this 10-second runoff rule. We don't want a team to intentionally stop the clock to sub, to get in a a different play, um, to have more time to communicate to gain an advantage on the next play. Uh, So whoever's the offended team, so they aren't taking advantage because a normal play, play ends, 40-second play clock starts, officials get the ball down at 32 seconds. Offense, when doing hurry-up offense, it's very legit that they are completely lined up in formation, completely set for one full second, and they could snap it at 30 seconds on the play clock. That's why it's a 10-second runoff because it is realistic in a hurry-up offense. Previous play is over, snap it, 30 seconds on the play clock. That's how you got the 10-second runoff um, created. So those are the main differences uh, between National Federation High School, NCAA. Um, If you have more questions on rule differences uh, between Federation and NCAA, please visit our Facebook page, um, Time Out with PSOA, ask a question. Please visit our YouTube page. Um, You can make a comment um, on this post. Hey, great information. I had this play. What, what's the NCAA rule? What's the Federation rule? Again, um, find us all over the Internet, all over social media. Time out with PSOA because the whole purpose of this is, is not only educating sports officials. It's educating fans, educating players, educating coaches. So we have access to the information to avoid that unsporting behavior. We want to share the information we have. So let us know what information you're missing, and we'll get you the information um, to have more positive interactions amongst coaches, fans, players, and sports officials. Thank you for taking time out with PSOA um, today. Visit us at Facebook. Visit us at our YouTube channel. Um, If you're looking to sponsor a show, reach out to us. Uh, We want this podcast to keep going um, for players, coaches, fans, and sports officials, and we can use all the help we could get. Thank you once again for taking time out with PSOA and sports officials out there. Remember, until next time, with PSOA, you're only as good as your last call. A Heard at Sports Network production.